as the information became clear and the nature of the accusations and his unwillingness to own it, get treatment, show some empathy for the women that were victimized. He crossed lines a long time ago that would have kept me from being willing to do this. Hello there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business with Sports with Andrew Brandt. I'm here only a few days after the emergency podcast the other day. Uh, as Deshaun Watson's discipline came down. We're going to get more of that in a little bit with a special guest. We're presented, as always, by DraftKings. Our musical producer, Sam Brandt, do you hear the music under us? And, of course, we're produced by Brian Neal. Joe Banner is the guest today. We're going to get to all the topics going on in the business of football. Joe's a regular visitor here. He and I chop it up. Kind of give you sort of an inside uh, eavesdropping on how front office people see things out there. We'll talk about Deshaun discipline, what he thinks of it. He has special insights to the Browns as being their former president, as well as so many years president of the Philadelphia Eagles. So it'd be great to have Joe on the program. We'll only talk about, not only talk about Deshaun, but we'll talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. We'll talk about Lamar Jackson. We'll talk about all the issues he see as crucial as we're two weeks or three weeks, whatever we are, away from the start of the NFL season. We're going to get to Joe in a second. First, a word from a new sponsor that I think you're going to find really interesting. It's Symbol Sports Exchange. Symbol is revolutionizing the world of sports betting and fan engagement, making sports fandom profitable. That's right. Sports fandom has now become profitable with Symbol. They're basically the stock market for sports. They let you trade pro and college teams like their stocks. You earn cash dividend payouts when your teams win. Pro Football Focus calls Symbol the perfect blend of sports and stock market, offering a brand new way to invest in your favorite teams and profit off their success. I've been playing around with Symbol. It looks good to me. It's really something that has a great interface. I'm looking at the Philadelphia Eagles, not just because I live in Philly, but I see them undervalued this year with a couple of the best offensive and defensive lines in football, improvements at their skill positions, and I'm a believer in Jalen Hurts. So that's why I'm enjoying playing around with Symbol and putting some money into the Philadelphia Eagles with that stock exchange. Symbol has taken the thrill of the sports betting, combined it with the profitability of the stock market, give you a platform where fortune favors the fan. So download Symbol mobile app for iOS by searching Symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L. In the app store, use the promo code BUSINESS, all caps BUSINESS, to receive a free team stock valued up to $150 upon sign-up. That's code BUSINESS. Claim your free stock on the Symbol mobile app. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Without further ado, let's get to our special guest talking about all things inside football, former president of the Philadelphia Eagles, and more importantly for our Deshaun Watson discussion, former president of the Cleveland Browns, Joe Banner. All right, let's get right into it. As people know you, you're a longtime president of the Eagles and for a while the president of the Cleveland Browns. They're in the news so much. You and I traded a lot of uh, messages through Twitter and otherwise over the past six months about this whole Deshaun Watson thing. 
There's a lot to unpack here. Uh, I just maybe we'll start with this. Your initial reaction when you heard the final discipline through a settlement last Thursday between Deshaun and the NFL. Initial reaction. Well, I mean, we're hearing rumors, so I wasn't totally shocked. Candidly, I was a little disappointed. Mm-hmm. I really see the behavior is just egregious. And, you know, the bottom line of the outcome is that he ended up becoming a free agent, dramatically rewarded financially, in fact, unprecedentedly, as you and I have discussed, rewarded with a contract, and frankly, moved from a difficult situation from a pure football sense in Houston to a team that adding somebody like him has a chance to be really good. So on every front, he benefited from what I was correctly called, you know, sexual assault and egregious behavior, predatory behavior. I don't think you can objectively come up with any other terms than ones that are that harsh. And what do you think of the Browns doing this? And and I know, you know, behind closed doors, people talk about, hey, uh, the way I see it with the Browns is, hey, we'll never get a player like this. They'll never, they never come available in free agency. We know we're going to get bad PR for a while, but it's a long-term play. Before we even get to the money and, you know, the, the sort of outbidding the Saints and Falcons and Panthers, is that just, I mean, does it, does it stink to you or is this just the way football is done? And you just do what you can to get a top flight quarterback, regardless of this kind of stuff. You know, I, I think this is goes beyond what we've even become more willing to accept than we probably should mm-hmm. you know, with other instances. I, I just think this is so extreme. Again, I'll use the word objectively. If, if you look at this, I don't know how you could come to any other conclusion that words like assault and predatory are right. Um, you know, I, I've been asked, like, well, if you've been running a team, what you would have done? And really, my, here's my honest answer. And now this is early on. I, I would have researched it. I can't say that, you know, back when there were maybe four accusations, I would have just said, I'm totally dismissing this. We're not going near it. Because he's a very good football team. <clears throat> and, then you're, and then you're trying to, you know, win as many games as you can. But as the information became clear, just the extent of this and the nature of the accusations and his unwillingness to own it, acknowledge it, you know, get treatment, become a better person, um, show some empathy for the women that were victimized. Um, You know, he crossed lines a long time ago that would have kept me from being willing to do this, even knowing it would have been a unique opportunity to find a young quarterback of this caliber to add add to my team. You know, we all probably went a little further than we thought we sort of we get wrapped up in being in the team and how badly you want to win and how joyful your life is when it's going well and how tough it is when it's not but i he just crossed way too many lines to a degree to me that i would have had to just say listen there's many different ways you can win we don't have to do this to win and and i i just would not have been comfortable doing it in fact i would have been fought it vehemently if i was in an organization that was thinking of doing it as you said, this sort of profiting of his own misbehavior just continues to strike me because had he not done all this, of course he wanted out of Houston. Whether they would have actually traded him or not remains to be seen. But he got paid last year in this sort of super secret arrangement where he stayed away and got his $10 million. And then, of course, he became a de facto free agent this year. You know, at what point do you think the Saints, Falcons, and Panthers cried uncle? Because 
there's a lot to this contract, as you and I've talked about previously on this podcast, even there's the, the 46 million a year, there's the full guarantee. And then there's that lack of forfeiture and the bonus, which is again, unique to contracts, not only with the Browns, but with anyone out there. Um, Cause again, <laughs> as everyone knows, but sometimes people forget he was not going to Cleveland. He's a Southern kid. He was going to Atlanta or new Orleans. And then Cleveland rose from the ashes, not only got, got back into it, but signed him. So as someone who, like me, who's done contracts for so long, where do you think this went with the Browns? Like, what would Atlanta and New Orleans not have done that the Browns did? Well, I have to be a little careful because I was actually talking to one of those teams that was interested in my perspective. And I can just tell you, okay, uh, they were they were basically presuming that the they were trading for the contract that existed. Oh. So they weren't envisioning, you know, starting from scratch and treating him like a free agent. And had you done that and you've either learned more or there were any more incidences, there was very limited risk in that scenario. Again, I still wouldn't have done it once I fully understood the extent of the behavior. But they were at least, you know, very protected if it turned out that, you know, it was even worse than we were hearing or he wasn't willing to uh, take the steps to get the proper treatment, maybe to live a better life. Um, I really, as far as I know, um, the Browns did something that uh, at least some of the other teams, and I actually think all of the other teams weren't, weren't even contemplating. And I think that's the only reason they prevailed, as you said. I mean, he, he basically had eliminated the Browns, and then all of a sudden they were the, the winners. And they created this contract that's unique in so many ways. It's frustrating to hear people say that they, they didn't do anything. I mean, I, I add the first-year salary. They have done that in some cases, more so since Andrew Barry took over. But there's also a long history that includes them playing, you know, reasonable salaries in year one. It's very rare that you see a team with so much cap room as they have pushing all the charges forward, which is what they did. So I take your list of three unique things and think there's a – let's say semi-unique fourth thing. And I just think that that was just so compelling that it, uh, it too good to turn down it had to be the way that Watson yeah. and his advisors felt about it. You talk, you just talked about it. Why as you and I would like to load cap early in the contract. So you have flexibility down the road, especially when you have all that cap room. What am I missing about the Brown strategy? Not only with Watson, but with all these other players where they're doing high bonus, low salary to push out cap, where they maintain the highest cap space in the entire NFL. What, of course, they can roll over, but I think they rolled over this year. So, yeah, what am I? What kind of strategy is that? Well, this is probably uh, I don't agree with it. I mean, I can give you a partial answer that I've been given by a few of the teams that are doing this now, um, and this isn't a full explanation because we we'd lose your audience. You don't <laughs> want to do that. I mean, the idea is that if you push cap charges into the future, when the cap is higher, and this is all going to be very complicated, but from a present value perspective, the money is less valuable. So let me try to say it simply for the audience. If you took a $10 million cap charge against a $200 million cap, you know, that's 5% of the cap. Right. If you took a 10 million cap charge when the cap is 250 million, it's I think it's 8% of the cap. So there is some 
I think, negligible present value of cap dollars that some people are thinking makes it worth what I think is the increased risk of if a player descends earlier than you predicted or gets hurt and shortens his career. There are some risks uh, to it. But the benefit is that you're taking, you're postponing charges Mm. to a time where each dollar is technically worth less. That's at least the philosophy. Again, I don't agree with it. I wouldn't do it. Um, because it does come with some risk. That is a legitimate benefit of what they're doing, but it also brings in some risks. So hopefully people could follow that, but at least that's the rationale for what we're starting to see a few more teams do. Yeah, I get it. And let's, fun- let's for once and all, put, put to rest a lot of these Browns fans coming at both of us over the past six months. <laughs> the answer, yes, they have done this structure for – Yoku and Amari Cooper and Denzel Ward and maybe Miles Garrett. I don't even know. But can we just put to end that what they have not done for these players is write their bonus language so they're not subject to suspension forfeiture? And they did this for a player facing certain suspension. So I'll let you add in here, too, as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm just confirming. I mean, I the, the contract on the first year salary is mixed. They have some instances where they've done this and have some instances where they put in a more legitimate first-year salary. And truthfully, more recently, they've done the smaller. But you're right. They've never done a fully guaranteed contract. Nobody's ever done a fully guaranteed contract of this length and size. We've never seen anybody, not that I ever think we'd see anybody where you didn't have forfeiture language tied to suspensions. And what that means is guaranteed money becomes no longer guaranteed. It doesn't change the contract. If the player behaves and plays well, he still gets all his money. But he loses the luxury of it being guaranteed. That is a huge, you know, every player in the league would love that. And the fact that they did it for this player, knowing he was going to be suspended and the extent of his behavior, you know, I agree with you. I've taken a lot of heat from people in Cleveland. They actually accused me of being, you know, sour grapes because the Browns fired me. I mean, I've... (laughs) I was very critical of some of the things that Brown's done. I've actually been very complimentary of some of the things they've done. I actually feel like I've been pretty balanced. But to yeah. suggest that they didn't do unique things in this contract is just just not what happened. Let me just get your insights again. The Browns, as you know, better than anyone perhaps alive, they go through a lot here. They've been through coaches. They've been through executives like yourself. And they've been through quarterbacks. And one of them is now going to start week one against them, Baker Mayfield. By the way, paid by them $10 million. Um, That's great. I loved your tweet on that. (laughs) So can you defend the Haslam's for whatever you want to phrase it as just spending till they get it right? And and which is what they've done on coaches, which they've done on a lot of different positions. And now they're doing a quarterback. I guess we have to put aside the, you know, the misconduct Although I guess we can't put that aside because I think their PR has been as bad as Deshaun's PR. Um, but what do you think of this? I mean, what, what about the way they're running their team right now? Uh, listen, I, I know Jimmy Haslam probably as well as anybody, you know, from an NFL perspective because mm-hmm. I was so close with him for a while, even before we acquired the team. And then obviously for the first, I think, 16 months or 15 months that he he ran the team. Um, I, I think to me, this is desperate. Now, yeah. the positive of Jimmy is he does want to win very badly and he's willing to make the investments necessary to win. But 
you know, the old cliche, if you take a strength taken too far, it becomes a weakness. Yeah. And if you translate your desire to win and willingness to do what it takes to win, that you start coming up with ways to rationalize. And that's what I think happened with this contract. You know, if you actually go out publicly two days ago as the player is still denying he did anything wrong and say he deserves a second chance. Yeah. It's really a 31st chance. It's not a second chance. Um, you know, you're just, you're just dismissing any principle and just saying the only thing that matters in the end is that we win. And by the way, when the suspension is over, assuming he can stay healthy and return to his previous level of play, he does make them a much better football team. That There's no question. It's not even close. The suspension, would you have allowed Peter Harvey to rule, which would probably have been a year suspension if you were the NFL and not settled? I guess the argument for settling is to keep it out of the news. I don't think any strategy going to court was going to work. As a lawyer, there's no chance that they'd overcome the Brady and Peterson and Elliott precedents in the circuit courts. Is it just something where the NFL said, yeah, let's just end it? Or do you think, and if it was you, would you have pushed this for a year? Yeah, so I would not have settled. And it's easy to sit here and second guess. But here's yeah. my reason. I actually think the league and the union made an attempt to kind of create a restart on all the controversy and inconsistencies been around these policies in this last CBA. It still included the league having, you know, a lot of power and leverage in the end to make the final decision. Right. But it tried to recreate a process that was better, at least hopefully, than the last one. What happened in the first ruling was the arbitrator relied on the old precedents instead of kind of acknowledging that this was a whole new system and we should create new precedents. So if something like this is only worth 11 games and now the NFL has agreed to that as a reasonable uh, outcome, then they just failed at the attempt to kind of reset the entire system. Yeah. So for me, it was much bigger than the Watson case. It was, is this attempt have something that we can both feel better about in terms of the message we're sending as a NFL players, owners, everybody together. Uh, I think they made an honest attempt to do that. But once the league appealed this, obviously that made it a little bit harder. And then the, once they settled, which now resets the true precedent under the new rules, I think they kind of run the risk. They were right back where we were before these changes were made, which was something I don't think anybody felt good about. So that's the reason I would have felt compelled to kind of force the outcome. You know, the league would have taken a lot of hit. They would have been accused, whether it was a legitimate or fear ruling or not, they would have been accused of, you know, the same old thing where the league kind of had the leverage and, you know, the rest of the process was just a charade. But I'm afraid now we've got a new precedent in this new system that's going to keep it as ineffective as the old system was. That's my biggest worry. Yeah, and you got the press. I mean, if someone assaults a woman one time, is that less than one game now? Because yeah, it's it's that is concerning. Yeah, let's talk, let's talk about the contract real quick. We've had two what would you call them high level quarterbacks, if not superstar quarterbacks, since Watson. We've had Derek Carr and Kyler Murray, and while the money was pretty good, I mean, they each got over a hundred million over three years. None of the bells and whistles, none of the full guarantees. The next test case is obviously Lamar Jackson going on now and rumors that he's representing himself, whatever it may be. Do you see Steve Bashotti again being able to ignore this precedent 
And uh, where do you see the, with the Lamar Jackson contract coming out? If there is one. I think the answer to this question is in Lamar's hands. Because, you know, with those one exception after the Watson deal, you know, as you and I know, both sides are going to argue in favor of even a position that's an outlier, a contract that's an outlier when it's only one. Right. When you start to accumulate multiple contracts on one side or one structure, it does become a precedent going forward. So if Lamar becomes the third person to take a contract that isn't fully guaranteed, um, then the teams going forward are going to have the ability to argue that, you know, Watson was an aberration. The Browns made a big mistake. We're not forced to chase, you know, one team doing something stupid. That's just the way the negotiation will be characterized. Um, yeah. Now, if I were Lamar, for a multitude of reasons, I would actually take a little shorter deal and insist it was fully guaranteed because I think people are underestimating just how much the cap's going to go up over the next two, three, four years. And although you start to get into 45 to $50 million contracts, you know, unless they're fully guaranteed, you know, why not take another bite at the apple only three yeah. years from now? Now, if somebody's willing to fully guarantee four or five years, you know, take it. You may have left a tiny amount of money on the table, but you know, at 45 to $50 million per year, you're not going to lose a whole lot of sleep over that. But if there's a big pushback from the Ravens on going out four or five years unguaranteed, then I wouldn't even feel like I was making a big sacrifice to take a fully guaranteed three-year deal, come back to the table. The cap could be approaching $300 million by then. And 45 or 50, believe it or not, it's going to sound like a good deal. You think he's representing himself really? You think he's getting somewhere? Yeah. As you and I both know, most of these guys that are representing themselves, they're, they're kind of representing themselves. Yeah. They all have some people, former agents, some lawyers, some, frankly, people like you and I, that, you know, they're yeah. at least, you know, staying on top of or just making sure they're not doing something too crazy, you know, helping them kind of structure the conversation. Um, although I don't want to belittle the fact that they are still doing a lot of work and the research to establish their value and, and be well-informed. And I give them credit for that. And I think that's what's going on there. Listen, some people thought he made a big mistake if he, why he didn't get a contract after year three. Mm -hmm. But it turned out waiting the extra year was a very smart move. Um, some of the agents were actually starting to criticize the fact that he was waiting because they don't like to see the players representing themselves. Right. And the fact of the matter is that turned out to be a very smart thing to do. Now, for me, he's at the point where, okay, you kind of maximize the value. There's not somebody sitting out there that's going to change the market in some dramatic way. You know, you should do what, uh, you know, Murray, you know, an average, et cetera, beat Watson by a little bit, not in structure, but an average. And now you should be Murray by a little bit. And as I say, if you're not getting a fully guaranteed four or five year deal, then do a three year deal, which they should be fully guaranteed. There's no mm -hmm. way you can do a deal now. Three years, let's say, you know, it's whatever, 120, 130, 140 million dollars. It's going to be fully guaranteed if you do that. So that would be my fallback position if I really couldn't get a four or five year. But it is time in my mind for him to really hit the jackpot here and know that for many generations of Jacksons, they have financial security no matter what happens tomorrow. Yeah. So uh, I'd encourage him that it was wise to wait. Don't get impatient, but it's time to try to close the deal if they're giving you something that's pretty reasonable. Yeah, one other quick thing on the representing himself, Roquan Smith with the Bears. This hold-in strategy, it really worked. It has worked. Yep. It worked for those three receivers, Deontay Johnson, Devo Samuel, DK Metcalf. It worked for Jerwin James. Hadn't seemed to work for Roquan, but it looks like the Bears just 
according to Roquan, putting out there that they were backloaded and de-escalators and all that. Now, he said he's going to wait. That's sort of playing out nationally that this guy's representing himself, called out the team on Twitter, and here he is uh, saying he's going to go back and play it out the, the, the deal. But, of course, the Bears have the tag, too. This That's just, just an interesting one I noted. Yeah, you know, it's interesting to me because I was in the room helping negotiate the 2011 CBA. Yeah. And uh, we anticipated this. As you can remember, it used to be that you could negotiate a new contract after two years. It got changed to three because we were afraid of this. And we increased the penalties for missing time quite dramatically. And we knew the result would be these kind of, you know, sit-ins, for lack of a better term. And we we brainstormed and brainstormed about what could we possibly do to discourage it. And honestly, we couldn't come up with anything. We really were just dependent on players kind of being honest about whether they were healthy or not. And we knew that there were going to be times where that wasn't going to hold up. Hmm. But we knew this was what it was going to lead to, and we couldn't come up with any way to deter it. I don't know if somebody's figured out something since then. That's over 10 years ago. Um, but this was actually anticipated when we changed the rules and increased the penalties and forced players to wait at least three years if they were drafted before they were allowed to even do a new deal. Yeah. But once you get through that third year, we knew that the player then had some ability, if they were willing to, to kind of sit in, as I call it. It's having some effect. I mean, you and I know holdouts, they're out of sight, out of mind, but these hold-in sit-ins are having some value for players, actually. Yeah. Now it's... Listen, there's no doubt in a very broad sense, players have become much more aware of the yeah. leverage they have and they're taking advantage of it in a much more significant way than they were. And, you know, honestly, and we've talked enough about it, I know you agree, it, it will create fairer outcomes, a better sharing of the pot. Um, yeah. But they can take it too far and, and uh, you know, abuse it as well. Hopefully we'll kind more of a middle ground through this process where, Neither the owners or the players are winning dramatically. They're both kind of getting a fair, reasonable outcome. So we got to go in a minute. I just want to get your quick thoughts on Jimmy Garoppolo, the last sort of piece out there that is not going to be where he is. I think the chance of him playing on his $24 million in San Francisco or the chance of you and I playing on that contract. So Agreed. what's your best guess? Do they make him take a huge haircut and stay if they can't trade him? Do they just cut him? Do they trade him for a piece of uh, a ham sandwich and let the other team deal with his salary? How does that work? Yeah, I mean, I think that they, uh, they're they kind of stuck. <laughs> I said yeah. the other day, if I were there, so if you were the 49ers, what would you be doing? I said praying. And unfortunately, what they're really praying for is that some team that thinks they have a shot at a major injury at quarterback. Yeah. Because they can't keep him at that number. If I were him, I would not take a pay cut to stay there because I think his chance of playing is fairly small. And what he needs to do is get back on the field. And then you and I know he's got a huge upside financially. But if he goes this year somewhere and doesn't play much, he's going to be stuck at that backup salary level for the rest of his career. Mm. So I would not cooperate with the 49ers to kind of find a way to stay. I'd try to get someplace that I had a chance to get on the field, even if it wasn't right away, but maybe I had a unquestionable quarterback or play like Houston where they have a quarterback that played pretty well last year, but dropped in the draft because he has injury history. So maybe a backup has a good chance of getting on the field there. Um, if I were him, I wouldn't really worry about the money this year. I'd try to get a place I can reestablish myself as a quality starter and then hope I can hit the market in a year 
as a reestablished quality starter and get the kind of money that that player gets. That, that's what I'd be advising him to do. I think playing in San Francisco, the organization made it clear when they made the trade and then hopefully yeah. since then they're ready to move on and he should get out of there. Joe, I know we got to run. Always a pleasure. It's always uh, well received when you and I chop it up here and uh, have you back soon. Hope you're doing well and we'll talk again soon. You too. I enjoyed it and look forward to talking again. I always enjoy chopping it up with Joe. Hope you enjoyed it too. Hope it gives you a way to sort of eavesdrop into how front offices think. You don't have to sneak into the offices of the Packers or the Browns or the Eagles or someone else to hear conversations like you just heard on this podcast. Always a pleasure to talk to Joe and always a pleasure to talk to you. And a word from Harry's Razors. Always a pleasure to use Harry's. I use it every day or every day that I shave. That's not every day. It is high-quality shaving. It never, ever have a cut, and it's always something that I can do quickly and smell good and just an easy way to shave. Low friction, both generally and also on my face. And now you can get Harry's starter set for just $3. You get a travel-size body wash, five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover. It's a $16 value for just $3 at harrys.com slash B-O-S. That's harrys.com slash B-O-S. So listen, you don't need to compare brands. It is a smooth shave and it's a cheap shave and it's a quality shave. So no matter how busy things get, stay fresh with Harry's. Get your Harry's starter set today and you also get a free travel size body wash. Go to harrys.com slash B-O-S. That's business of sports. harrys.com slash B-O-S, all caps. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Really hope you enjoyed this edition of the Business of Sports. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew Brandt, Instagram Andrew Brandt 2, where I'm doing reels. And of course, the newsletter, andrew-brandt.com. And if you want to get even more of me, how could you not want more of me every day? Videos, weekly meetings, andrew-brandt.com slash SPL, the Sports Business League. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thanks to producer Brian Neal, music producer Samuel Brandt. And we'll be back next week with another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt.